listening to First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, First Church. I love all you guys. So I'm preaching today a fun, a fun subject, a fun title. Uh, I, I've had a lot of fun thinking about it this week because it so accurately represents how I have felt on more than a few days of my life. My title is this, God, I hope you know what you're doing. Say it with me, God, I hope you know what you're doing. I love the picture of the little boy. I know exactly how he feels. That, that moment where you just want to cover your eyes and look away, you're like, oh no. Uh, so I, one of the core values that we have here at First Church is we want to we want to have real church for real people. And what I mean by that is just uh, an admission that a lot of times when we come to church, it's tempting for us to act a little bit more spiritual than we actually are. Now, so this side said amen, and this side didn't. So this is the side that needs to hear it over here. Uh, it's tempting when you come to church to act a little bit more victorious than you're actually feeling. You know, you get dressed up, you get yourself sorted out, and you come. I mean, it's like you drive to church, and you're fighting all the way, fighting with your husband or your wife, blah, 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 and you're telling your kids to shut up, and your kids are griping at you, and then you get out of the car, and like, oh, praise the Lord, Brother Nathan. Good to see. Isn't God good? And your wife's like, oh, no, you didn't. A, a minute ago, and now you're like, God's so good. Well, uh, we want to be real. The, the, the religious, the religious ver- word involved in this is this whole uh, religious idea of confession. It's a theme in the Bible. Uh, we want to be honest one with another. Uh, the truth is, uh, when I'm really honest... There's a lot of circumstances in the here and now that I don't know how they're going to work out. Anybody, anybody relate with that at all? You're facing a circumstance and you, you just don't know exactly how it is going to work out. And we are challenged to, uh, trust God. Now, uh, one of the easiest ways to understand this is you don't need faith to look back to see what God has done. All you need to look back and see what God has done is a heart of thanksgiving. Anybody here with a heart of thanksgiving today? Has God been good to you? Um, You don't have to have faith to look back. And so if you can find thanksgiving in your heart, you can look back and see what God has done because, honey, God has been good to you. Now, as a believer, as a believer, it's fairly easy for us to look forward to what God will do. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will prepare a place for you. Uh, Somebody say, he's preparing for me a place. Uh, Yeah, he's preparing for you a place. It's like, you know, all of the glory of the natural world, he just spoke that into existence. He just said, let there be, and there was. But when it comes to preparing you a place, he's not just speaking it into existence. He's actually building it. So if God can create this glorious universe simply by the spoken word, what do you think he can do when he tries? So it's easy for you to look forward and say within your heart, um, I believe it's going to work out in the end. Like the old timer said, I read the back of the book and we win. 
Uh, it's easy for us to have faith for what God is going to do. So where, where are we at? We just need thanksgiving to look back. And we need faith to look forward. But in the meantime, we live in trust. And we look at circumstances and we don't have easy solutions for them. And we're required to trust God. Now, this is just real meat and potatoes Christian reality right here. You are required to trust God. So say this with me. Say, I I must must trust trust God. You may or may not understand, but you must trust God. You may or may not know what's coming next, but you must trust God. You may or may not have extra money at the end of the month, or you might have extra month at the end of the money. But either circumstance that you face, it is required that you trust God. I don't know why I have gone through some of the things in my life. I don't know why some of you have gone through the things in your life. But if we're going to have any type of victory, joy, or just life in the present, we're going to have to learn how to trust God. So we have, we have thanksgiving, thankfulness for the past. Uh, we have hope, faith for the future. And in the here and now, it is required that we trust God. Now, as, as believers, this can be a good bit, a good bit more difficult than we we led on. Trust is hard. I actually think trust is harder than faith uh, because faith, um, it could go either way. Trust is believing when it looks like it's gone the wrong way. It's like too late for anything to be done, too late for any circumstance to change, and yet we're telling people, I choose to trust God. This is exactly John chapter number 11. This is exactly the, the context you find Mary and Martha in when their brother uh, Lazarus has died. Uh, they had hoped that their good friend Jesus would come and heal Lazarus. Lazarus was um, loved and uh, he was needed like, like any any uh, person within a family, you feel like they're loved, you feel like they're needed, and the Lord doesn't come. In fact, it seems as though uh, the Lord intentionally stays away. The, the, the scripture actually gives us the image of that, uh, where the Lord postponed coming, and Lazarus died, and now they, they're already mourning here, him. They've already prepared his body. They've spent the money on all of the fragrances to try to uh, delay a mortification of his body as long as possible. They've wrapped him up, and they've put him in the, in the tomb, and uh, it's done, and it's done. And now, now, somebody say now, now when the thing is done, God wants to show up. The Lord loves to show up at the end of your uh, plan. As long as I have a plan, it's almost as though the Lord will kind of just let me have my plan. It's like I get to have my plan or I get to trust God, but I struggle to do both. Oh, that was, that was, that was better than the three amens I got uh, acted like it was. Uh, I, I get to try to fix it my way. Now, I'm a big believer in praying like it's all on God and working like it's all on me. I, I, I'm a big believer in that. I understand. But I'm talking about in the spiritual place of our inner being where we 
actually turn for not simply relief or help, but we, our answers are found here. I, I want to work hard, and after I'm done working, say, if God doesn't do it, it can't be done. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I want to be a good steward. I want to be faithful. I want to be disciplined, but after I've done all I can do, I want to acknowledge what I've done. That's all good, but I want to confess it's not enough. Lord Jesus, I want to pray as much as I can pray, but I cannot do your work. I need you to anoint me for that work. As a church, Lord, we want to give as much as we can give, but after we're done, uh, what we've done is not enough. We need you, and we desire you to do the work that will never be done by the flesh. And can I have a big amen? amen. And so uh, you see this, this disconnect between uh, what Martha wanted and what she got. This is important because there's a profound list lesson here. So often in our lives, there will be a visible difference, a gap between what we wanted and what we got. Say it with me. What I wanted and what I got. Some people can't serve God because they don't get what they want. They've confused God with a cosmic spiritual Santa Claus and they've been good all year. And then they made a list and then he didn't come down the fireplace. And he's really, ha- and they're really hacked off about that. Then, so what's good is church. God will not be manipulated. God will not serve you. You will serve God, or there will be no presence of God in your in your life. And and so it is that that people uh, oftentimes cannot have the trust to survive the gap between what they wanted and what they got. And so uh, this is where Martha's living, and she's struggling to trust God. Jesus finally shows up. Lazarus has been four, dead four days. He's all, his body is already mortifying and it is decomposing as it were. And, and Martha greets Jesus basically by pointing out what a big disappointment he is. Anybody have somebody like that in your life? And they, uh, they, they start to compliment you, but before they're done with the compliment, you know, just how big of a failure you are. And anyway, enough about that. We'll move right along. And so, uh, (laughs) and here she is, Lord, if you would have been here, if you here, if you hear, but you know here. <laughs> I knew what you needed to do. Unfortunately, you didn't know what you needed to do. Zing. And if you would have just done what I told you to do, God, then you would have been a better God. But since you were unwilling to do what I told you, you're just a big disappointment. And the Lord says to Martha, he's going to live again. And Martha says, here we are, not trust in the present, faith for the future, hope for the future. Oh Lord, I know that in the resurrection, he is going to, you know, there's going to be this wonderful resurrection and he's going to be brought back. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's going to work out in the end. I read the back of the book like everybody else. It's going to be okay someday, but in the here and now, I'm a little bit hacked. Because you didn't follow the plan I laid out for you, God. All you had to do was work my plan. All you had to do, God, was trust me. There's so much irony here. Um, And this, in a moment, you'll see, you'll see Jesus 
Um, he's going to stand by his, 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 his work and he's going to do what he's going to do. God's going to do what God's going to do. I'm thankful for that. Um, but he is made sad by Martha's inability Inability to see what God can do now. Not someday, not somewhere, but right here, right now. And this literally is the only place in the scripture where we have the image of Jesus weeping. He loses his composure uh, at the reality of this, this moment. Um, yes, he came in his time and not in Martha's time, but Martha's inability to see how God is in what she currently has. It's easy to see God when we get what we want, but can you see God in what you already have? If you, you know, get the new house, it's easy to see God. Oh, God gave me this new house. Can you see God in the house you've got now? It's easy to see God working when you get the career. I finally graduated. And now I'm taking over the world. It's e- Can you see the working of God in the middle of the struggle, or do you only see God through the lenses of victory? And here's, here's what I want, you to, I want you to understand. If you can only see God in victory, you're not going to see much of God. I'm not being mean to you. I'm being sweet to you. I love you. In the middle of the moment, God's still there. I don't have the money I need. Well, welcome to the club. But God's still there. I'm sicker than I wish I was. Yeah, well, you know, here's a list. Sign up. (laughs) I'm not as healthy as I wish I was. But can you see God in the middle of the morning? Or can you only see God once Lazarus is shuffling out of a tomb? All right, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. So um, trust, this is the challenge that we have to trust God in this moment. We have thanksgiving for the past and we have hope for the future. In the meantime, we live by trust and it is absolutely essential for us uh, to, to live that trust and to, to, in, to, to experience and to enjoy that trust. Um, if we lose trust, then really every single thing in serving God becomes much, much more difficult. I I heard a a story, supposedly, this is a true story, but I I don't believe it's true. I think it's probably a joke. That's just full disclosure. You have been warned. Police officer has given testimony at court. He's on the stand, and the defense attorney's cross-examining him, and he says, officer, uh, now you arrested my client sitting right here. Officer said, yes, I did. Uh, And the defense attorney says, did you see my client commit the crime? Police officer says, no, I didn't. I just chased him down. He was running from the scene of the crime. Um, Another officer, a partner of mine, saw him commit the crime, called it in. I just chased him down. And the defense attorney said, oh, so you didn't see the, 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 the crime. You just arrested him. That is correct. And the defense attorney said, well, how do you know you can trust your partner? And he said, well, I, we, uh, we all trust each other. We trust each other with our lives. The defense attorney said, no, you don't trust each other. I can prove you don't trust each other. And once I show how you don't trust each other, I'm going to ask this court not to trust what another police officer said. 
How am I going to do that? Look right here, exhibit A, and he shows a picture of a locker, a locker in a men's locker room. And the police officer, I mean the the defense attorney says, do you see this locker? The man says, yes, that's my locker. And the defense attorney said, that's exactly right. This is a picture of your locker. I want you all to notice he has a lock on his locker. If you trust your officers, your fellow officers, why would you put a lock on your locker? The police officer said, well, the police department's connected to the courtroom and sometimes we have lawyers come through. (laughs) Trust is hard. Trust is hard, but if you cannot trust God, you cannot live in hope because not every day of your life is going to be an easy day. Not every day of your life is going to be a day of jumping up and down saying hallelujah, and we must have hope. I, I, I am so, uh, I'm so convinced that one of the important uh, strengths that are found in the lives of the believer is the strength of cultivating and protecting, protecting our hope. Uh, popular statement, you've all heard it. It's, it's, it's more uh, thematically true than it is like an actual scientifically true statement. It's, it's making a point. Uh, you will have heard it. Human beings can live about 40 days without food. Makes sense. We can live about four days without water. Um, we can live about four minutes without air, uh, but we cannot live even four seconds, four seconds without hope. A neuroscientist by the name of, of Tali Sherat, uh, he, he writes in his book that hope is so essential to our individual survival that hope is literally hardwired into our brains and it becomes the difference in whether or not we survive circumstances in, in our life. Studies have shown, and again, these aren't done by religious people. These are done by social science, social scientists. Um, hopeful college kids get higher GPAs than college kids who feel like they are, uh, they don't have hope in their, in their life. It's been done with athletes and athletes who report in their, in their personal, uh, feelings, high levels of hopefulness, uh, perform better on the field. They cope better with injury. They heal faster and they have greater mental resiliency when they're in a tough uh, challenge in their in the middle of a game or a competition. Uh, in fact, one study of the elderly showed that people, elders, um, the retired age senior citizens, if they felt hopeless and if they said they have a sense of hopelessness in their life, they were twice as likely to die during the test period than the people who said they generally felt hopeful. Hope is such a powerful catalytic in our life. It is such a powerful force in our life that I don't have to preach this message as a believer. I could preach this message as an unbeliever and simply quote the studies that have been done of the difference that hopefulness makes in in our life. One psychologist, Dr. Shane Lopez, um, uh, he wrote that the 
and he's actually, incidentally, is considered the world's leading researcher on hope. He claimed that hope isn't just an emotion. It's not just an emotional experience. It is a life tool. And you have to learn to work that tool in your life. It is part of your individual resiliency. Uh, but there's this challenge. We, we can see all this. We, we can acknowledge this. And as people of faith, um, we hopefully fight for our hope and we protect our hope. We celebrate the promises of God. We stand upon the word of God. Uh, but there's this problem for uh, modernity. There's this problem for the modern times we live in, and that is this. Uh, in many ways, people are living with less hope than at any other time uh, in, in, in recorded uh, modern history. We, we have this tremendous social problem, uh, problems that are, that are arising that are a direct result of, of hope, some, uh, of hopelessness. Yesterday, I, I, was, I was sitting at my house. We had had a wonderful prayer meeting at the church. I had a meeting afterwards. I took my kids through Bojangles. I went home and I sat down and uh, I'm kind of relaxing a little bit. Good day all around and my phone vibrates. There's some news item and after a moment I, I, I looked to see what it was. Maybe it was a text. It's a news item and uh, the shooter in Virginia Beach, I believe it was, had killed 11, this yesterday, killed 11 people and I, I set my phone back down and I went back to what I was doing and then it caught me what I had just done. Uh, a few years ago, that would have been a big deal. Nowadays, People are so filled with a sense of hopelessness that the only way they can feel like they are touching some meaning in their life is to cause as much pain and suffering as possible. This is not normal. I know we have been normalized to it, church, but this is not normal. I know modern times has come to accept this, but this is not normal. This is an expression of tragic, meaningless, some type of indescribable pain that is at the center and in the, the, the very existence of this, this generation. Not only that, uh, we have so many people dying from drug addiction that literally life expectancy in America is going down for the first time in recorded history. Why? Why? People are killing themselves with drugs. Their life is so meaningless and there is so much pointlessness to their life that the only way they can have any sense that anything that matters is to is to use drugs. Um, this is a huge problem. This is not normal. Imagine the generations who had to worry about whether or not the crop would fail. They had to worry about whether or not they'd have enough to eat. Nowadays, even normal people have air conditioning, hot water, and cable news. Even normal people go to vacation in Orlando and give Disney all their money. This isn't just something wealthy people do. The wealthy people don't even do that. They fly to Tuscany and rent a, sh rent a house somewhere. This is ordinary people. And there's such meaninglessness in life that they would rather... They would, they, you guys understand what I'm trying to say. I, I don't even know how to describe it. This is not normal. This is a great cry of pain within the human heart. Uh, suicide is, 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 is a tremendous problem uh, that I, I, don't even get, I, I won't even get started on it. I'm just, yesterday, a pastor's wife that we know, uh, she, uh, you, you would think, you would, now she's had mental health and, and whatnot. I won't get into that details, but, uh, but she, she committed suicide yesterday. We know, the people we know. 
I called my wife. I said, I can't tell her why I'm, I'm so upset. I want to say, I want to say to all the preachers, physician, heal thyself. Make sure that you are cultivating and protecting hope in your life. I don't care how long you've been serving God. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You need to cultivate and protect hope in your life. Can I have a big amen? Sometimes we hide things as though we don't, you know, this is part of the problem of having make-believe religion and you pretend everything's right and everything's not all right. I would much rather be open and honest and have a chance to to, to rediscover hope in my life than play a game and end up hurt, broken, and desolate. And so this is a hopeless generation. How do we, how do we overcome this? And we would say as, we would say as believers, of course, what we always say, which is this, you need to, you need to have hope in God. You need to find hope in God. God is with you. He is your friend. Uh, He is not the one putting the burdens on you. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If serving God doesn't feel like that, you're either in leadership or you're doing it wrong. I'm not kidding. The job of leadership is to carry other people's burdens. And so in leadership, you really, that's why it's even more important for you to regulate yourself because in leadership, you say, I'm in the job of helping hurting people. You say, I am, it is my job to help people who aren't strong. It is my job to accept you where you are, not where I wish you were. It's my job to minister you right where you're living, not where I wish you were living. You say, oh, why does the preacher spend any time with them? They're a good and a good for nothing center. Exactly. My house is pretty well organized. I mean, my wife's not saved, but the rest of us are doing good. <laughs> so, so if your serving God feels like this crushing, uh, you're putting that on yourself or you're letting other people put that on you. Now, in leadership, it might be something you need to acknowledge and regulate, and you might need to back away from some burdens that are killing you. But if, you're, if your sense of serving God is this crushing despair, this heaviness, I'm telling you, you're missing something fundamental about knowing him. God is with you. He is your friend. He is your father. He is not just with you uh, tomorrow. He was not just with you yesterday, but right now, right here, in the middle of your circumstance, God is with you. So very quickly, once again, I'm I'm wandering far off my notes. I I want to remind you all of this truth. The Psalms that celebrate uh, the great work of God, they teach us to do this same thing I've talked about. We we look back with thanksgiving, uh, we look forward with faith, and we celebrate trust in the here and the now. Uh, The Psalms will continually work this as a, a cycle of praise and a structure of worship over and over again in the in the in the, uh, the the book of the Psalms and in the the Psalms that are wrote various places like uh, other other leaders Moses uh, sings one of a couple places he sings songs to the Lord and so uh, you see this same cycle we look we look we look back with Thanksgiving we look forward with hope and in the here and now we live in trust and so um, I, I I get that but I want to remind you that so much of these Psalms are written in the present tense uh, 
style, the present tense tone. You know how when you were in school, uh, appropriate since we have graduates here today, uh, you can talk in the past tense, I was there and I was unhappy because I was there where I didn't want to be. That's all past tense. Uh, I can talk in the present tense, I am here and I'm happy to be here. And if you don't like it, you can go jump in the lake. That's the present tense. But then at the end, I ended uh, future tense for you. Present tense for me, I'm happy. You don't like it, future tense, jump in the lake. You get the idea. Future tense, I will be there and I will have a good time, so help me God. You get the idea, past, present, future. Uh, the Psalms are written in the present tense. I want to I show you some of these passages very quickly as, uh, as, I, as I want to. I want you to get this uh, as something that you, you understand. Um, the next time you are facing circumstances that you feel like are less than perfect, I want you to be reminded you are not the first one. Uh, Psalms 42 and 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in, present tense, why? are you in turmoil within me? Why are you cast down? Present tense. Oh, my soul. And why are you in turmoil within me? And so uh, Psalms 39 and 7, and now, oh Lord, what do I, what do I do? What do I wait for? My hope is in you. Psalm 71 uh, and 5, for you, oh Lord, are my hope, my trust, my Lord, oh Lord, from my youth. Psalms 131 and 3. Um, oh, Israel, hope. Present tense in the Lord from this time. Somebody say this time. This time and forevermore. Yes, you've heard it preached for years. At the end, everything's going to be okay. God's going to bring all the high places low and he's going to lift the low places up. God's going to exact a perfect and complete justice on this earth. All the wrongs are going to be made right. Somebody say amen. And all the things of God are going to be settled here on earth and I'm excited for it. In the meantime, I often don't know what is going on. I look at circumstances. I never dreamt I would face that circumstance. If you if you've lived it all, you've probably uh, experienced this in some in some manner. I I, I told the nine the nine a.m. service or the nine fifteen a.m. service. I told them this morning about how when I was diagnosed with cancer and I was talking to the doctor, the first thing I said is, "Doc, uh, uh, cancer doesn't even run in my family." And so many of the problems we face in our life, we have this sense of, "What do you mean? I, this is not this is not what I do." I would never, why am I going through this? And so it is, we have this, 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 this moment of uh, realization where we face the circumstance of the present and we find ourselves quite unhappy with the reality of where we are. In other words, like Martha, there is a gap between what we want and what God's given us. What do you do with that? So it's easy to see God when the miracle comes. Can you see him in the middle of the, the, the real life you are living? So yesterday, and I'm almost done, so stay with me a, a moment more. Well, maybe. I'll preach another hour. Who knows? It's potluck around here. So um, I, I was praying here at the church, and I, I caught myself giving the Lord a list of things I needed. Lord, we need this, and we need the, the other. And Lord... I need this, and I, I, we need, if you'll do this, and if you'll do, and it's almost like I had given the Lord the, the greatest honeydew list you've ever seen in your life. And I, God really, I mean, to be a good God, he just needed to do what I said. That's really what it came down to. And so, 
Uh, obviously, that's, that's, that's not the way it is. We serve God. God does not serve us. Can I have a big amen? And so I stopped myself and I said this, Lord, everything I need has already been provided to me to do what you have called me to do. That was a hard prayer to pray. I didn't want to pray it. You know why? Because I love to tell God what he needs to do. I love to tell God what he hasn't finished yet. And yet God has done everything he needs to do. I I want to say this to all of you. Living in the reality, looking at circumstances like, God, I hope you know what you're doing. I don't know why I'm going through this. Anyone ever felt that way? I don't know why I'm facing this. I don't know why I'm struggling with this. Why am I wrestling with this? God, I hope you you know what's going on because I have have no clue what is going on on at this moment. I I just, I'm, I'm lost. If you find yourself, if you find yourself there, I want to tell you that God has given you three things that make all the difference. And because of these three things, you have everything you need to live victoriously and make a difference in your life. Number one, you have the word of God, the word of God. You don't have to pray over the word of God. It's given to you. You don't have to try to figure out what the word of God's trying to say. Just read it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have been given the word of God. Secondly, you've been given the presence of God. You have access to his presence. Thirdly, you have been included in the body of Christ. And here we are today as believers. I believe the local church is the hope for the world. I literally believe, and I believe that because it is the vessel God has chosen to manifest his heart to the world. It is the vessel that he chose. So I want to say this. If you like Martha, and I'm almost done, musicians, you can come. If you like Martha, if you are disappointed with what you are facing, what you are facing, you wanted to be here, but you're not there you're somewhere else. You wanted to have this, but you don't have this. You have something else. You thought by this age that you would have everything, everything organized. Uh, like, like the person who said, by this age, I'm going to have this done, and this age, I'm going to have that done, and the other. And then they get to all of those ages, and they had none of them done. Life turned out completely different than they expected. They thought they were going to be married uh, and have 17 children, and they're not even married. Not only that, they don't even know anybody with sense. That's funny. I don't care what you say. Life turns out so differently than what you expect. We could have a testimony service here and and uh, I, could, I could ask you uh, what you're going through and ask you this question. Did, did you see this coming? Very few people see it coming. What do you mean Jesus won't show up on time? I didn't see this coming. What do you do when you have no idea what God is doing? This is what I want to say to you. God is just as much with you before the miracle as he was after the miracle. God is just as much with you when you get the answer to your prayer request as when the heavens are silent. God is just as much with you. Oh, I I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with somebody here today. If you get what you want, that's amazing. But God was always with you. 
This is why Paul can say, fantastically, if I live, that's awesome. If I die, that's awesome too. Because nothing can separate me. From the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. God, I hope you know what you're doing. But I stand in this confidence. In spite of the things I don't know, you are with me. You'll never leave me. You will never forsake me. I may get my prayer request answered. I may not. In fact, you ignoring my prayer request may be the biggest blessing you've ever given me in my life. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm here to say it's okay because you are with me. And so the psalmist writes in the present tense. God is our refuge and strength. Is. Somebody say is. God is our refuge and strength. A very present, yes? A very present help in time of of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way. If the earth falls out from under our feet. This is what the writer's saying. I'm praying that God holds it all together. But if it all falls apart, he's still God. And he's still with me. I'm praying it all stays together. But if it falls out from under my feet, he is with me. I will not be afraid. Though the mountains are moved into the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble and on and on, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning... I want you to see this reality. Don't fall into the blessing of dilemma where you're only blessed if there's a blessing. You are blessed from the beginning. And if God never does anything else for you, you're blessed, my brother. You're blessed, my sister. Let's stand all across the house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't you step out of the chair you're in and, and, and make your way down to the front. This is how we, we end our services here at First Church. Our, our guests, our friends, feel free to come with us. We won't embarrass you in any way. Uh, we just gather into the front here and we will spend a few moments in prayer. Uh, if you have a need here today, I, I want to speak the name of Jesus over you. Uh, if you're facing a, a struggle for confidence in your life, a struggle for trust, you don't know what's going on and you're mad about it. Yeah, some of you know, you're, you're, uh, you, you didn't think I was going to preach to you, but I, I got you before it was over. Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't know what's going on and you're mad about it. I want you to know God is with you. He's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. He will not forsake you. I said he will not forsake you. He will be with you. All across the house, let's, turn, let's just lift our voices and call upon the name of the Lord here today. Lord Jesus, we bless you. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Lord Jesus, we say thank you for your presence in our life. Thank you for listening.
listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.